I think the reason Christians probably don't fast as much as they probably need to be doing is because nobody really has any idea what fasting actually accomplishes. Like if you um <clears throat> if you ask people, if you ask the average person or the average Christian what fasting does biblically speaking, uh they'll give you an answer something along the lines of um, you know, you're denying yourself or you're um, subduing the flesh or you're making more time for God. You know, all of these, um, all of these answers. And I'm just not really convinced that those things are even true. You know, suppressing the voice of the flesh. It's another one that I hear as well from um, from talking to people. But, you know, are, are those kind of things really going to be enough to drive a person to not eat food for, you know, 40 days or or beyond that? Is that really going to be the thing that convicts a person to to lay aside food and probably general, you know, a general healthy appearance, um, any kind of decent physique that you might have, probably the respect of your family. Uh, is is that really going to be the thing, you know, or the respect of your um your family who who don't know God anyway? Sorry, it's more, it's more what I meant because obviously, if your family loved Jesus, they'll uh, probably take their hat off to you but as I do actually to anyone who uh, who gives themselves to fasting I know it says to not fast for the sake of um, you know what people say and I guess that's for good reason because fasting is difficult and if you know someone's just done a long fast you're going to admire that person and well I do anyway I guess that's why Jesus said not to make it known for that reason, because it, at least in religious circles, it's easy to admire such things because it's difficult, right? And um, anyway, Jesus had a lifestyle of fasting. The early church had a lifestyle of fasting. The apostles did. The greatest men and women of God and the apostles of God and the prophets of God, the greatest of all these people to ever walk the face of the earth, had lives... Uh, that were just well fasted, you know. Food was something that they consistently laid down over a very long period of time. You know, many, many, many fasts over many years. Every one of these lives is defined by these things. And yet we seem to think that it is not an integral part of having true Christian spirituality. I know that's a vague term. But I don't really know how else to define it, right? It is a spiritual thing. Fasting is a spiritual concept. You fast to, uh, you know, to commune with God in accordance with His Word, in accordance with what He's said to do. And Derek Prince puts it well. If you've never listened to Derek Prince, I'd strongly recommend it. He's got some amazing teachings on deliverance and um, fasting and prayer and all these things. 
think um, some of his teachings are a bit old school, so um, kind of be prepared for that. You know, I don't really like anything to do with generational curses and stuff. I tend to um, just wholeheartedly agree with teachers like Curry Blake and that kind of stuff. Generational curses don't exist. Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 18, makes that very clear. There is no two ways about it. That curse is broken. The, the sins being passed on to the generations, you know, it's not a thing anymore. Demonic oppression that can go down family lines is a different story, I guess. But anyway, fasting. He, he basically says that fasting is a means of self-humbling. And he doesn't just say that. He gets that from Scripture as well. In the Psalms, somewhere in the 60s, I believe, um, Psalm 64, roundabout, says that as David was um, writing that he humbled his soul with fasting. And God exalts the humble and resists the proud. So as we fast, we are humbling ourselves in the sight of God. And so he exalts it. He blesses it. The humble shall be blessed. And that is the benefit of fasting, or a benefit of fasting, according to Derek Prince, right? Self-humbling. But after many years of regularly fasting, um, from March 2012, after I wanted to start praying for my mom to give her life to Jesus, um, which she did like two weeks after I started fasting for her, which was amazing at that time. I was really surprised that she kind of came around so quickly. <laughs> but uh, from March 2012, I decided, as is um, typical of me for whatever reason, I wanted to do an extremely intense fast over a very long period of time. Um, so I decided that I would fast every day uh, for three years. I have dropped my phone down into the side of my car and I will be back in a moment. Alright, I'm back. I have no idea what I was saying. It took me an unreasonably long time to fish that phone out just now. <clears throat> I think I've seen something along the lines of um, the fast that I was doing. Um... I wanted to do the uh, just a, a long fast, a period of a, over a period of a very long time. I just wanted my life at that point to be so. Just, I just wanted to dive into the fullness of the fire of God, you know, and all that was available. And I saw that fasting. Jesus said, "If you fast in private, you'll be rewarded in public." And I wanted to be blessed by God. I wanted to have all the grace of God that I could have in my life. And I saw that fasting was a means of attaining that, of, of obtaining that kind of grace, right? So uh, in March 2012, I started a fast. I decided I would fast something every day, at least um, for three years is what I decided to do. And not really knowing how to fast at that time. Um, some people have different opinions on it now. I guess... Um, Compared to some fasts that other people have done, I guess it's like not as extreme, right? But for the first 18 months, I did one meal a day um, with water in between. So I'd eat once a day and then not eat until, you know, 24 hours later, have another meal and so forth. Did that for 18 months. Did um, eight months of only uh, vegetables and such. No meats, no... um desserts or anything like that 
and then I did a number of months eating only after a certain time later in the day. I tried a number of different things, each one lasting several months until a period of around about three years. Um, 2015 ended up stopping um, that particular fast. So there was um, a lot of fast that took place at that point. But after so much fasting, you know, you, you stay in the church circle and people will ask you to fast with them, right? But when you have given yourself to so much fasting in the past and you look at your life and maybe you're not where you thought you would be after tapping into the secret of God's power, you know, whatever people say, which is fasting apparently, according to all these people, and it's not, it is definitely a good thing and the power of God can flow through your life through it, undoubtedly. I, I do not deny that. But there is no secret in any of this. There's no secret prayer. There is no secret method. It is just absolute surrender to God. That is the secret. If you want the secret, the secret is surrender to God, whatever that looks like. But anyway, and fasting is just a means of doing that. Anyway, I've just revealed the, uh, I guess what I was getting to with this whole podcast a little bit early, but I'll continue on anyway. Um, when people ask you to fast with them, when you've spent so much time in your life fasting and d denying meals and me, I'm hungry all the time, all the time I'm hungry. I uh, mentioned in one of my other podcasts that I'm pretty sure I, I have or, or had or something, worms, you know, like parasites. Um, and if not, then I just have a stomach that needs Jesus right now because I'm just always hungry. I'm hungry right now. And I've had like four meals today. <laughs> I uh, guess I do work in, in laboring and um, as a gardener and all that kind of stuff, but still, I feel like I shouldn't be as hungry as I am. But uh, in Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for absolute healing. It is paid at the cross. In Jesus' name, everyone listening agrees. Anyways, they, uh, they ask you to fast, right? And you spend so much time fasting, as I've said like four times now, and you think, well, but what is the point of this? What are we doing? What are we actually trying to accomplish? People are like, you know, they, they, a problem comes in their life. They're like, oh, you know, we'll fast. Let's fast about it. What does that even like freaking mean? You, you're just not eating food. Like, oh, um, you know, so-and-so's marriage is falling apart. Let's fast about it. So why, if this person's marriage is falling apart, why is he not eating food going to change that? <laughs> like, you, you're not bloody hunger-striking their marriage back into a place of being healthy. That's not how it works. So what does it mean? What is fasting? You're, you're humbling yourself back into their marriage coming together? Like, is, is that how it works? Or are they the ones who need to be fasting for their marriage to be repaired? Yet, if that's the case, then why does... Why do people fast when there's a war going on? You know, David Hogan, an absolute legend in God, in Mexico, with his um, ministry team, they do 40-day uh, fasts uh, at least once a year. As far as I'm aware, they still do that. Um, and they're praying that the war in Mexico would end. But, you know, if, if fasting is only about humbling yourself, um, then why would a, a nation benefit from the prayer of a bunch of people? 
you know, just like a, a small group of individuals, or comparatively small group anyway, compared to the size of the country. So it's just put me in this in this long journey of thinking about what is the point of fasting. And I did end up and have ended up coming to a conclusion, or at least a, a temporary conclusion as to the purpose of it. And fasting, it is a means of, of self-humbling. I don't disagree with Derek Prince in that sense. But when people start talking about fasting as simply freeing up time to spend uh, time with God, because otherwise you'd be eating food and cooking food, man, if it's about saving time, just keep a bunch of chocolate milk in your fridge because drinking chocolate milk takes as much time as it takes to drink water and it has just a, the same amount of calorie intake to sustain you indefinitely, if not put fat on you. So if it's about time, then just drink chocolate milk and that way you can just do it forever and not die, you know? I've done a 50-day liquid fast once back when I thought that that was a good idea. I would never do that again personally, although I saw an amazing move of God in my life afterwards. But still, I would never do it again. I'd never do a um, a liquid fast just because I don't see it in the Bible. <laughs> there was uh, nobody coming before God drinking chocolate milk for 50 days. <laughs> Except me. <laughs> but, you know, it's not about saving time. That's just ridiculous. Don't even ever say that to anyone. That's just stupid. And it's not scriptural. And you're just out of out of the purposes of God for fasting if you ever tell that to someone. So don't do it. But what is it then? What is prayer? I figured that if I'm going to understand what fasting is, then I need to first understand what prayer is. Just in, a, in, in its simplest form, what is prayer? And prayer... I think it's safe to say is the means by which God influences the world because God cannot influence the world apart from the surrender or at least the invitation of a physical being in the world. The spirit cannot influ influence the natural apart from the surrender or the invitation of a physical being because the physical realm and the spiritual realm are very distinctly separate. There are separate laws that govern both and a natural law is. There is a law instated by God in Genesis chapter 1 that the dominion of the world belongs to humanity. Therefore, the spiritual world will not influence the natural world apart from the surrender of that dominion by the human being to the spirit. I'm not going to repeat that, but I think I articulated that quite well. If you want to go back and listen to that again. Now, with that being said, God decided to make the simplest means by which he could influence the world, uh, which he gave into our hands in Genesis 1. We gave it to Satan in Genesis 3, and he gave it back to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He uh, returned the dominion to the planet through his son, who now lives in us. So, yeah, he returned the dominion to Jesus, yeah, but it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And Jesus is in the form of a man uh, in terms of he has he has united his divinity with humanity in, in Jesus the Holy Spirit is everywhere Jesus physical humanity is in one place in the body of Jesus Christ who is 
a resurrected man wherever he is right now. Maybe he's in heaven, maybe he's appearing to someone out of nowhere. But he has one physical body, and that is Jesus Christ. But the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in us, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus does live in us, but Jesus is also in one place. But because he is divinity bound with humanity, the dominion that he received on the cross has been given to humanity in Jesus. I don't know if I've just uh, confused you with all of that. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is bringing it back the way and the means by which God can influence human uh, humanity, humankind, and the human life is by the invitation of human beings, which is why he moves in people's lives when people invite him to do so. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is the verbal surrender to God in order for him to have his way. It is the conforming of earthly reality to God's heavenly reality. And that is what Jesus preached and told us to do and gave as the layout for our way of praying in Matthew chapter 6. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray to God for him to have his will done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is in essence what prayer is. All prayer, anything we pray in that sense, is the conforming of his will and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So, that is the surrender of the soul, of the thinking part of, of our being, where the human being is spirit, soul, and body. Um, the Greeks like to divide them up like that. The Jews tend to apparently kind of have more of a Spirit, soul, and body is one, but that's the easiest way to kind of distinguish what we are sort of like, you know. Um, the triune being may or may not be as triune as we thought. But anyway, the the prayer, the, inv the in invitation of God into the world is the surrender of the soul to God. The surrender of the Spirit to God is very important as well. That is through faith. That is through the speaking in tongues. That is directly Spirit surrendering to God. The Spirit and the body surrendering to God. Because the tongue obviously is physical. But the, tongue, the speaking in tongues uh, stems from the Spirit inside of us. It is the Spirit surrendering to God. The soul surrendering to God is us with our minds releasing things to heaven um, out loud. That is surrendering that to God. So that's the spirit and the soul. But what is the surrendering of the body to God? It is fasting. Fasting is the surrendering of the body to God. And if we are to have heaven conformed to this world, the, the godly reality of heaven and, and God's will conformed to earthly reality, we need to surrender every part of our being to Him so that he can absolutely have his way and move in our lives the way he has wanted to all along. And that is why we fast, because it brings even more of our being in surrender, in submission to God, for him to be able to move in our lives. Because apart from our surrender, he cannot move. As much as he wants to move, he can't, because dominion has been given to people. And God is not a violator of that which he has laid out. He's not a violator of his own word. 
And as much as he wants to save the world, he cannot do it unless we lay our lives down for him and for his kingdom and for his son and allow him to do so. And that's why we fast. So when people ask you to fast and you spend a lot of time fasting and don't know why, you start to ask the question, why do we fast? And the answer is because it's the only means by which we can bring our body into surrender to God so that he can have his way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.